You are listening to the Conquering Everest podcast. This here, well, it's episode 23. Welcome to the Concrete Nevers Podcast. My name is Brian Talore, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for choosing to spend a little bit of your day or night here with me. Now, in today's episode, I have a conversation with Bev Joy Ehrlich. Bev is a transformational life and relationships coach. Her core passion is to educate and empower all of us to live with a deeper level of consciousness, authentic expression, alignment, and contribution. Now, I've had a coaching session with Bev, and it it brought up a lot of emotional things from my past, but the beauty of it is Bev knew how to help me be present in the moment and how to process that pain uh, from the past. If you haven't already, make sure you check out Bev's YouTube site where you'll find that, that coaching session, at least half of it, okay? I gotta admit, I forgot to hit record. I forgot to hit record, but we caught the second half of it, so uh, there's still something for you to see, and I'll have a link to her YouTube site in the uh, description below, and we are having more coaching sessions, more of which we will share with you, so make sure you subscribe to Bev's YouTube channel so you could, well, you could see me get a little bit emotional. I'm an emotional guy, and Bev Bev brought out the, uh, definitely brought out the emotion in me. Now, before we get into today's conversation, I need you to do me a favor. It's real simple, I promise. No, I'm not asking for any money. All I need you to do is make sure you give this podcast a follow and share with your family and friends on social media. Now, if you have an option to uh, give it a thumbs up, then please do give it a thumbs up. And if you want to get in touch with me, it's real simple. You can contact me via email, brian at conqueringeverest.com. You can also find Conquering Everest Podcast on Facebook as well as on YouTube. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter. I'll leave all the relevant links in the description below. Without further ado, though, let's get to my conversation with Bev Joy Ehrlich. Bev Joy Ehrlich, welcome to the Conquering Everest Podcast. Thank you, Brian. So lovely to be here with you. And, and 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 I know you gave me kind of the cheat code for your last name, but if you want to go ahead for our listeners and, and pronounce it the correct way, uh, we'll make sure they have the correct pronunciation because my, my poor American accent can't uh, quite get there. It's okay. So I say Ehrlich. It's actually a German origin, and the Germans tend to say Ehrlich. Ehrlich, yeah. All pronunciations are welcome, so that's fine. <laughs> all right. Well, Bev, as we get into things here today, uh, did you want to take a few moments here in the beginning and just introduce yourself to our listeners? Um, you can go as far back or as high level as you want with it. I'll leave that up to you. Okay, so hmm, let me think where I can go. I'll start from here. I live in Israel. Um, I have four children and almost eight grandchildren. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I've lived here most of my life. I was born in South Africa, 
and my background is in education and psychology and the last few years I was exposed to a wonderful mentor named Thomas Hubel. Um, I came through to him through several other coaching experiences that I had and um, learnings and teachings that I went through but landing with him is really a place where I see the work I do on relationship is so true it, it lands with people it speaks to them that all our joy and all our challenges in our lives come from relationship and very very often the way we show up in our adult lives is based on traumatic experiences through our attachment that we had in our early bonding with our parents or our early caregivers and if not processed or integrated, they show up in our adult relationships um, where we might show up as being a little bit reactive, we're behaving as a younger part of ourselves and um, we're not able to, to manage our relationships when, we, when we're behaving as a childlike part. Um, it's kind of like... Um, we all really, according to Terry Real, whom I've also learned so much from, we're all looking to meet our gods or goddesses who will complete us. And what we actually meet in a relationship is somebody who's as imperfect as we are. And in an intimate relationship, there's that collision of our imperfections and the rest of our time together, we learn how to manage that. And when we see that we're being triggered in a relationship, we often like, I'm damn well going to get what I need from you. I'm going to control you. I'm going to back off away from you. I'm going to get what I need so badly from you. And the minute we can stop and say, hey, this person isn't my adversary. He's not my enemy. He's actually a, a kind of more evolved part of who I am. And we can sit with that for a minute and be in the presence of what's going on here. Why am I so triggered? Then we can start to integrate. We can start to understand what's going on for us. And it's not that the, the person will heal us, but the relationship begins to heal us. When we recognize that we're reacting to something that's not quite in front of us right now, we're reacting to a past, a distant past, and the relation, once the relationship begins to heal us, I begin to behave in a different way in the relationship. And that's where there's so much growth, <clears throat> excuse me, innovation and opportunity that comes to the relationship. Um, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, um, how, I guess I'll ask you, how long um, have you been a, a, a transformational life and relationship coach and what led you to to this line of work? Well, I think probably you'll hear this from most coaches. We've always been the per, the go-to person that people feel we, we hear them, we listen to them. So I started off as a dream coach where I was guiding people through steps that I'd learned on how to create a dream. Um, steps that are, are very important to understand what's integrity, what's our intention, what are our doubts and fears telling us. And then um, everything deepened and um, it came to that more spiritual nature of presencing in the relationship, what's going on for me right now, why am I being so reactive? 
um, they, they, they came that deepening for me, I would say, around about two years ago, um, both my parents passed away and my husband was ill for a year and I was like mad woman and <laughs> I couldn't find myself, find my place and I, did, I couldn't find someone to hold me so much and I discovered Thomas's work and I realized that I just needed to settle and see what was going on for me now. Um, that my husband, for instance, offers me an incredibly safe space. My parents less so. Not that they were harsh. It was so subtle in some critical comments that, that used to come my way that I hadn't even realized it made me feel unsafe. And the more my husband showed up as safety for me, I, I didn't know what to do with that. So that was really a turnaround for me when all of them kind of disappeared from my life. And as I say, I became mad woman and I needed to to take a, a good, strong look at what was going on. And that's what really came up for me, that one place hadn't offered so much safety for me always and one place really did. And And how do I bridge that kind of understanding in my life that I don't always know what to do with safety? Right. Um, my husband Did, speaks a very different language to me, although he's you know, also South African and everything. His, his language of love, I suppose, if you like, or relationship was so different from mine. He was that evolved part of me that I needed to, that <laughs> I need to learn, if you like. So did the safety um, that you talk about, was that, did, did that, did you react to that almost out of fear or, I mean, how, so you, if I'm understanding you right, you know, he, he provided you this place of safety, but it sounds like you, you weren't sure how to fit into that. I wasn't sure because um, there's a lot of overlap between my father and my, my husband. They're both physicians and my husband's offer of safety, like I love you just the way you are and I accept you without the criticism I understood that that was weakness. And my mother would say to me sometimes, he's a weak man. You know, he comes into the house and he's busy making dinner or he's washing, helping bath the children. Your father was working. He worked 27, you know, 27 um, days a week, 24-7 kind of thing. Your husband takes breaks and he comes home and he's part of the family. And she made me feel that, that was he was weak. Mm. Um and what I noticed was with our children and our in-law children that there's a ten, there's a, a tremendous feeling of safety in our home. They're always coming and they they're asking questions very easily. They consult him medically very easily, and I didn't have that sense of ease with my father. And when I explored it with my own coach, he said, "You know, your family clearly fits in easily with the sense of safety, but you often don't know what to do." So. I would pop in and pop out. And when I was popping out, I became very critical of my husband and like, why can't you? And then when he was ill, he became even weaker in my, my eyes. And yet he stayed consistent and firm through all of that. And it was just, just an interesting observation that my coach said, you know, you don't know what to do with the safety. So you're in and out of the relationship. You, you're in sometimes and you're out sometimes. Whether it's your children who were born into that safety um, they don't question just that place to rest because when you can find that safety, you rest and then you can really become who you are supposed to become in this world. Did uh, you kind of going back just a little bit when you were talking about uh, 
dream coaching. Uh, mm-hmm. Are we talking dreams in a literal sense, like uh, you're asleep in dream, or are we talking about like dreams and ambitions in life? Oh, oh definitely the, the, the latter. A okay. dream being what matters to you in your life. In other words, what you must do in your, this lifetime. And it doesn't, it can be huge and it can be tiny, but there are things that you must do to feel that you've had a meaningful life. Yeah. Do you, so I know me personally, there is, you know, I'm, I'm mid forties now. And for, for most of my life, uh, a young adult, a teenager and so forth, you know, I, 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 harbored a lot of insecurities and a lot of fears and I and I didn't really allow myself to be um seen much I mean not you know not that that I was hiding but you know I was kind of the homebody and you know I've I've overcame I've been able to to make uh progress in 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 manage to get rid of some of uh, most of the fears and insecurities I'm not going to say that there isn't things that that take me back but Sometimes I struggle with a sense of relevance, uh, a sense of purpose. Is that something that you see a lot in relationships? You know, perhaps you have a, for instance, your husband sounded like he was very grounded with who he was. He knew who he was and, and, and he was, you know, he provided that back to you as to where you weren't used to that, you know, um, that type of, of, of man. Mm-hmm. So d- would, would you say that, you know, the, there's kind of a, what is my purpose? What is my relevance thing going on in these, in these relationships? And, and that's why maybe one kind of shies away from the other. Right. So you said a very beautiful thing. You said, um, I kind of try to make myself invisible. And my yeah. feeling is that was a familiar feeling to you that if we look back to your to a very early time in your life, you learned that if I'm invisible, that's that's a very helpful thing for me to be. In other words, um, we often take on a role at a very young age that's very intelligent. With that, does that resonate with you that you needed to become invis- invisible in order to survive, so to speak? Yeah, no, it does. It does resonate, and I would say okay. I was probably about twelve. 13 when when I started kind of just I'd go to school and I would come home and and head up to my room and and I would just stay in my room until you know it was time to go to bed and then get up and go back to school and and come home and do the same thing so Mm -hmm. so I was in and my mom my my mother worked nights so she was wouldn't be around anyways um and I didn't have the greatest relationship with uh, my stepfather. So that was kind mm-hmm. of, I just went to my corner of the house yeah. and, and stayed there and, and was as low key as I could be. So right. yeah, it so, definitely does resonate. So um, what usually happens is that there's something, a, a trauma isn't the experience. Trauma is an invisible guest that we have, but it's so overwhelming that we learn to manage it in certain ways. So, for instance, with you, there might have been something that taught you, I need to be invisible, otherwise I'm going to be in big trouble. And the rest of you, almost like a tree, excuse me, planted in the ground, the rest of you was growing up around that frozen part or that tree that was stuck, the river will flow around it. 
And then it was very intelligent and it helped you survive as a younger boy, as a young boy, but it didn't serve you in your adult relationships. People wondered probably why you weren't showing up because you did not show up. You were not there, I would imagine. Possibly at work, possibly in intimate relationships. We often see this across the board. We don't see it necessarily in one relationship. There's something that, and then you probably wondered, why don't you see me? Why don't people see me? Because you were giving out the message. Don't come near. I'm invisible. (laughs) Does that make sense? Oh yeah, yeah, and I can, you know, I as as we as you were talking, I I could even uh, replay certain um, moments in my life where where you know that was exactly the case where I was, you know, st- I stayed back in the background while uh, everything went on before me, and and mm-hmm. and, and I would st- stick my neck in there, uh, you know, very cautiously, uh, different points in time, but for the mm-hmm. most part, I I did not like the the limelight. I did manage to, uh, you know, when, once I got to the age of 40 and, uh, you know, I made, uh, that's when I made, I, I call it my coming to Jesus moment where I decided, you know, uh, I'm not, uh, life isn't as fulfilling as I think it should be. And um, I recognize myself as as the contributor in that. So I knew I had to face my fears and that was what I decided to do is, you know, if it scares me, I'm going to do it. And, and and if nothing else, just to say that that I did it. Mm, and that's very beautiful because you recognized your contribution at it. And very often I hear in relationships like that the other person was to blame. But we both have a contribution in a relationship that got us to where we are. And then you can say, oh, okay, you're bringing that to your consciousness, to your awareness, to what I said at the beginning to the that's presencing let me look at where what my what i'm doing right now am i responding in this relationship as if i'm five or am i behaving in a way that is responsible i'm responding as informed by feeling or am i being reactive as a child where i'm just reacting to my world without being informed by feeling i am just reacting does that make sense yeah Um, so that's very beautiful when you realize your contribution. I have a part to play in why people don't see me, why I've been passed over for jobs, um, promotions, in relationships, why people leave me. I have a part to play. Mm-hmm. And it's not about blaming, and it's never about blaming or understanding our parents. We just want to understand the impact on your adult life when we look back. Yeah. Do you do you work much with um, uh, it, it, with you know mental health, depression, anxiety? Is that part of your uh, coaching practice? Well, people will come with those symptoms. I don't treat them, you know, but giving medication or anything. Right. Um, and very often, the person will come to me who is medicated and doing really well but still needs that um, support, that emotional support. My experience of most psychiatrists is they don't have the time or possibly the the knowledge of how to support um, someone who's going through depression. Um, I also very much like to support, and and this is maybe where more of my support has been, people who have been in my situation where, excuse me, they were supporting someone who was going through. 
um, how, how do you manage that? That's very tough as well. Yeah. The, with, with relationships, I don't know if this would be a loaded question or not, but what do you find more times than not is the underlying cause of a, a distant relationship or, or, or an unhappy marriage? Right. So for me, it's looking back at that attachment trauma, distance. Again, if you keep yourself distant, it's something you've learned as a survival mechanism in a, a, at a younger time. So when you go into the adult relationship, you're still taking something, but it's almost like jet lag. It doesn't fit anymore. It's not appropriate. It was an intelligent function at a certain time in your life but it needs an update, and that's what trauma is. Trauma is frozen in time and space. It doesn't get the updates. It hasn't realized, oh, Brian's grown up now. He doesn't need that anymore, that distancing. He can actually become vulnerable, be courageous, and form a closeness and a true intimacy that's non-threatening. Does that make sense? But it needs an awareness. Yeah. And what's the, so when, when, when you're working with someone that, that has trauma and, um, you know, aren't, they're, they're not living the life that they want to live. What is kind of your process with them? Uh, I I would imagine there's, you know, a lot to do with mindset or at Mm -hmm. least that, that would be my, my speculation. Um, what's kind of the approach when you work with somebody Right. So initially, it's just to hold that space where whatever feeling comes up, to give it a space. We spend a lot of our lives looking away and distracting ourselves. So in other words, if I'm sad, I need to eat something or I'll go to the gym or no. Together, together, let's just hold that space because we co-regulate each other. If you look at a child in the park, they go off, they might get hurt or scared and they come back to the parent and together the parent holds that child. The, the parent's nervous system relaxes and the child's nervous system relaxes and the parent becomes boring and the child goes off and we do that throughout our lives. Where are we safe and trusting and where can we then take that and move off because sometimes our parents weren't able to give us that and um and that's what i will provide i will almost if you like do the reparenting i'm here with you and it's okay it's really okay to feel sad because i want to open up the range and expand them we're not just happy happy we're not just facebook people right we want to if we don't experience grief Grief is, the, is the, the correct response to loss. If we don't experience grief and sadness, we won't experience true passion and joy. You, you mentioned social media in there. Uh, what Social media today in here in, in 2021, and, and, and I guess we could go back a handful of years since it's, it's, it's really uh, kind of taken off. What, what are you seeing in social media as far as uh, do you find that a lot of folks uh, because you know Facebook is usually nobody posts the bad pictures they always post the good ones where everybody's laughing and having a good time um, it's and it's almost like you're 
trying to keep up with your neighbor. And, you know, I would imagine my theory is, is social media uh, over stimulation from social media. It can certainly um, bring on some of the anxiety, depression, feelings of, um, mm-hmm. you know, lack of worth. What, what are you seeing in the social media space? So I think we need to recognize that we're incredibly blessed that we have platforms like Zoom, like like what we're speaking on, like social media, where we can connect because especially now during this pandemic, right? Right. We are so blessed that we have technology. However, if it comes at the expense of connection, in other words, I'm just going to spend 10 minutes now on social media because I don't really have someone to talk to and I'm feeling lonely, then there's something to look at. And what we tend to do is we tend to speak in a broadening of I want more likes than a deepening. We're all kind of drowning in this desire for a broadening. Let me have more and more likes, but we're starving for connection. And then you spoke about the the comparison, the confidence. We compare ourselves. I compare myself to how you look to how I feel on the inside. So I see a beautiful picture of you on Facebook and I'm feeling terrible on the inside. So I'm thinking like, Brian's got such a great life. I'm so miserable. So we're not even comparing. And that just that just impacts our, our confidence because I didn't see the argument Brian had with whoever was in the picture with him beforehand or afterwards or whatever. I don't see the whole picture. I just see, oh, wow, look at the beautiful background. Look at the person he's with. It's all looks so stunning and fabulous. And I'm comparing it to how I feel on the inside. And that's very soul-destroying. Very. Right. There's a, and I would say with teenagers in particular, and, and I know we're, we're in two different sides of the world, but I, I would imagine um, uh, the human nature is is, is pretty, pretty similar, uh, just regardless of the, the cultures. But the here in the United States, uh, you know, I see young girls young teenage girls uh they're striving they're 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 trying so hard to look older uh you know when i was growing up and i was a kid i mean as kids we just you know we threw on our play clothes and we went outside got dirty <laughs> rode bikes and i don't see that even with my my teenage um boys they grew up a lot faster than I grew up because I, mm. I, I was playing video games and toys up until mm. I was probably 14. And, you know, my kids kind of left that toy phase uh, like seven and eight and they started getting the sports and different things. But do you think we're today's generation? Are, are we forcing them to grow up too fast? I would say possibly both and um, I, I wouldn't I would hesitate to give a general opinion because I don't feel an expert in that. It's not something I've spent a lot of time thinking about or I've explored. It's a very interesting question you're bringing up. So for me, my perspective would be to look at the individual. You know, if you say to me, this is how, what I feel about my children, could we explore this? It, but it would be a specific a specific exploration, excuse me, of of your children um, and curiosity. You know, do they feel they've grown up too soon? Do they feel they've missed out on something? Does it work for them? Is it good? 
um, you know, it might only, if they're teenagers now, they might in 20 years' time feel differently that, oh, my golly, I gave up on my childhood far quickly or, gee, was, it's, been a, it's been a great life. Um, I really don't feel I can offer an expert or a general Right. I had written down a, a, a quote uh, from one of our prior conversations, and and what I wrote down was, uh, children born ch- children are born into a state of being, mm. and the parents expect the kids to take on more. Um, let's talk about that state of being a little bit, because I think that gets confusing for a lot of folks w- when you talk about just being present. Uh, I think most people would say, I am present, I'm here, I'm, I'm here today, but, but, but really, they're not. Mm. So when I talk about children having the right to be, children are born and they have the right to be. In other words, parents are obligated to nurture and nourish. The, the river, I always say, should flow down the hill rather than the other way around. What, and then what happens is when children have the right to be, and they're settled in that. It's almost like if you think of a bowl, they can become who they're supposed to be become because they're settled in this place of being. However, what often happens is children take on a role too young. They might notice, hmm, mom's also only four and I'm four. Hmm, maybe I need to look after mom. Maybe I need to take on a role of caring for mom. You know, especially if we have a more extreme case of, say, an addiction, right? A parent who's addicted or a parent who's violent. Um, So when I talk about trauma, it's not necessarily always something big and dramatic. It could be just like, as I was saying, in my case, my father never beat me or anything, but he was a critical man. And that was my trauma. But I only realized that later in life that there was a sense of dis-ease if you like, when I would come home, because I wasn't sure when I'd walked off the red carpet, but I'd, I could walk off very easily, you know. Um, so when I say be, that a child has that right to be nurtured and to be loved and embraced, a child doesn't have, doesn't have the, doesn't, isn't supposed to take on a role that they're too young for. But that often happens. And then very often there's a very good payoff for that. When I take on the role of caring for mom well, I get her attention. How does I never get it? But that comes out in, a, in adult relationships. That can be a very painful place. So with the adults, um, kind of the same thing is, is, is um, would you say, because you, you do hear a lot uh, from the different speakers, motivators, coaches out there about being in a state of being. Do you mm. do you feel for adults that's just as important as it was for kids? Or does it take on a different um a different role in an adult life? Right. So when I when I there's being in this presence, I'm I'm present with you in that I'm not saying looking at my phone, I'm not thinking I want to be somewhere else, or I'm also not thinking I want to be with a more evolved part of you. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to meet you exactly where you are now, and that's what true love is, when I can meet you where you are now, not I will be so much happier when you are more evolved and more mm-hmm. conscious. That just shows up how unconscious I am. 
Does that make sense? That's what being present is. Present. I'm here with you as you are right now, with the questions you're asking me right now. Not thinking, gosh, these are lame questions, or wow, these are too difficult for me. Right. And then I can really come in and answer them from a place of I'm not anxious because there's no right or wrong answer here. We're just having a conversation. Does that make sense when I can be here with you? Yeah, yeah. You have something on on, uh, on your website uh, called the power of no challenge, and and that mm-hmm. caught my eye. What what is the power of no? Okay, so that that's something that was actually using the dream coach, which I was have taken from the dream coaching process. When we say no to something, we are able to say yes to what we really want in our lives. Sometimes something is costing us too much. It's costing. It's got a high price for our health. It's got a high. It might even have a high financial price. The minute we say no, because that no longer works for me, then I can say yes to what does. And the secret, and here it is. I'm going to repeat this. The secret to a really happy life is to say more yes to the things that you love and want to do every single day. And by saying no, you're just being really clear on what your boundaries are. And people can check in. Is it okay for me, Brian, to ask you X, Y, and Z and for you to say yes or no? Or under these circumstances, I can do this. Under these circumstances, I can't. And again, that reverts back to relationships. When you're very clear, I'm capable of doing this. I can't necessarily do that. Do you find that as as I've gone and and, and I've coached and, and mentored folks in different capacities, there's there's a lot of resistance sometimes when 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 you're offering um, a, a, a piece of advice or or especially when it comes to really wanting to live your dreams. And for me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm big on overcoming fears. You know, that, that's kind of my mission and goal in life is, is to help others um, not live a life of fear like, like I did and really allow themselves to be out there and be vulnerable. When you get the pushback, you know, how hard is it to convince somebody to say yes uh, for, you know, uh, whether it be a relationship or a job they want, a career, um, how do you break through? What is it when you really have somebody that just like, no, I don't think the time's right, or uh, wait until I got things more, a little more perfectly laid out. So for me, it's not about convincing anyone. Um, if I have to convince them, then I'm talking about myself then I'm bringing my agenda into the the conversation, into that that conversation. Um, And when they say, no, not quite, this is not for me, then then I'm talking about myself. I'm saying, maybe this could be good for you, maybe that would be good for you. And to me, that's not pure... That's not pure coaching work. That could be in a relationship, in a friendship, where I can say... But um, in coaching, I really want people to to get to the answers and I believe they have the answers <clears throat> excuse me within them themselves so if they have a fear around something let's explore that let's be curious 
what comes up for you. Because very often what's sitting underneath fear is what they really, really desire. And then and then it's what one small step can you take to get there. So it's not a big step, but usually a step that I say that will make you smile because it's so non-threatening and easy. Um I call um, when I use when I use pe- when I do help people with more concrete dreams that they want to accomplish. I sometimes talk about a wow. What are you going to take on? In fact, I always talk to people like this. What do you get? What one thing you're going to do within one week? Wow, one within one week that will move you forward on your dream. Um, what's one? Can it? Is it make a phone call? Maybe it's doing the research. Some some more research that's. Not going to threaten you. Just need to go online, and I need to look up a little bit more about what it is that I want. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what about your website and the different different things that you offer. Uh, you, 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 obviously, you have the coaching. Uh, it looks like you 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 are a uh, pretty well traveled uh, speaker in workshops, and and you got a lot going on there. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the services that, that that you offer? So basically, it's speaking and one-on-one coaching and group coaching. Um, what you might have noticed there are some of the. I began a um, in phys- physically in Israel a generous networking meeting where I would do. It was kind of like a mastermind dinner. We would have about twelve people, and I would teach some of the. Um, tools of networking and then we would actually practice it and then uh, when my husband became ill um, I had to spend more time in Israel rather than traveling and I decided to take that concept and make it and see how how, how far reaching it could go and I created WISH which was wisdom share where I would interview people like this for five minutes and just ask them to share a wisdom and then say to people now you can reach out to Brian or whatever Mm -hmm. um now i'm kind of going back to those people and and seeing those some of them there were people that i want to collaborate that's kind of my word for this year that i'd like to collaborate further with and do some more work with um so kind of that i would say in a nutshell is really what what i do now do you feel like so in today's covid era uh, I'm imagining uh, there's there's probably more remote coaching that's that's taken place than than the one I want in person. Do you do you find that people are more resistant to coaching uh, when it's virtual uh, as opposed to face to face? So I think that kind of that I feel that's probably past. Um, what I've noticed is it really depends on what's going on for the person. Last week, um, my client would not let me see her. And to accept, she said, we're just going to speak like this. I don't want you to see me right now. Yeah. Um, and I, I had seen her before. And just to allow her that space to feel that she could bring that up, that safety, that she could say, I'm not comfortable right now with what's going on with me. and um, so I think it's almost like a gift that we have that she didn't, she wasn't in a situation where she was ever coming to see me face to face, you know. Right. Um, so now we could kind of play a little bit with the technology and it had an, a wonderful effect. Right. Do you work, uh, do you work with 
many folks that have have a you know the relationship has has broken so maybe divorce has taken place or separation uh do you work with a lot of a lot of folks to help them get over that grief <clears throat> i'm hesitant just because you said to get over the grief oh yeah <laughs> you'll have to correct me <laughs> no 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 not at all um no your language is is precise uh, um i work with people not only in relationship intimate relationship challenges it could be colleagues as well but wherever it is wherever there's a pain yeah there's a place to work and and to integrate and see what the pain has come to teach to teach me you know why I'm feeling so why is this so painful and why what are the lessons for me otherwise we just go into another relationship and repeat that we go into another job and repeat the same thing so it's very beautiful when people can come and say i need to explore because when we 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 coexist we don't explore things together to by ourselves that's why self-help help oh, self-help books very often don't work we need to explore together so we can co-regulate each other and we can see the shadow work together that i need you to light a torch uh, you'd call it a flashlight, into my dark areas that I can't see and go there with me so that I feel safe and that I could explore it together in a safe way. And that's where true healing comes. If if somebody wanted to get in touch with you to uh, talk more about the, the coaching that, that you provide, uh, you've got the website, uh, bev.co.il. Mm-hmm. Um, is what what I'm what I've got here. Um, it, what what other ways can they they find you? Are you on Facebook, Instagram? Yeah, I'm not on Instagram. I'm doing some talks on Instagram, but that's um, because I'm being invited. Um, Facebook, LinkedIn, and my email, which is bever b e v e h r at gmail dot com. Um, but you can always messenger me through Facebook or through the website, or through my email. Those, I would say, are the three easiest ways to access. And it looks like you might have, uh, do you have a YouTube presence as well? or? I do, actually. I have a small YouTube presence where I do often, not often, I do sometimes put up some videos. But the better, the, you know, I hang out more in Facebook and uh, through my email, through my website. Um, that's, you asked about you asked about social media. So for me, it's about finding that balance of spending time with the marketing, if you like, of the social media presence, and actually doing the work. So I'm not spread out with running from this platform to that platform. I really focus mainly on on facebook and a little bit on linkedin a little bit on youtube okay yeah fair enough it's a, it's always better when uh when you don't have to try to keep track of a whole lot of different links and, and whatnot exactly. uh, as far as the links go uh for for your facebook and, and website i'll make sure that's all included in, in the uh in the description so anybody listening uh don't worry it'll be there for you you don't have to try to write everything down or rewind, feel the need to rewind. But Bev, this has been a really uh, great conversation and it, it's um, 
the your your style of coaching intrigues me and i know we've had a conversation about uh you know having some you know getting getting together again and and, and maybe going through uh, a coaching session and, and, and putting that on live. So I would uh, definitely encourage the listeners to stay tuned for that. We'll, we'll work out the logistics, but uh, I, I think there's, there's a lot, there's a lot more to, that we could probably dive into with, with uh, life and relationship coaching. Um, but, you know, there, <laughs> until you get into it, it, it you know, you ne- never really know uh, what's, what's going to um you know, what's, what's going on in the background of somebody's life right. that, that that's holding them back. So uh, you do have a three-part video series too, I see. Um, it, would you recommend for folks uh, to, to go check that out before, you know, or, you know, if they're sure. thinking about reaching out to you or? Absolutely. I forgot about that series that I created. It's a free three-part download. Um, gives the people a sense of who I am and hopefully helps you with some small part of your relationship. Sure. I forgot about that series. Well, Bev, it, it's been great to talk to you. I look forward to talking to you again uh, here in the near future and uh, sharing more with the listeners. Me too. Thank you so much, Brian. I'm so pleased we found a time to do this. Yeah, we did. And I guess for transparency, uh, it did take us a couple weeks because uh, <laughs> I, I had to keep rescheduling, but uh, finally, finally found a day that that works. So uh, I appreciate it. And we will talk again real soon. Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you to all of you. And there you have it. My conversation with Bev Joy Erlish. I hope you enjoyed the Hearing, listening to the conversation as much as I enjoyed having the conversation with Bev. As I mentioned earlier on, we are doing some coaching, which she will be uploading to her YouTube page. Make sure you check it out. Link is in the description below. And please, uh, by all means, give this, uh, this, this podcast a follow, a thumbs up. Uh, send it out to your family and friends. Spread the news because I'm sure there is a message uh, within each of these episodes that somebody that you know, possibly yourself, but if not, somebody you know that needs to hear. So please do give it a share. If you'd like to reach out to me, uh, make sure you check out the links in the description. And if you would like to support the show, well, it's easy to do. And that link will be in the description as well. It is a a PayPal me link. Uh, Make sure you check it out. If you want to support a show, hey, no pressure. But Anything, any any contributions that you that you uh, provide to the show will be used to well, make things better, better studio, uh, better better recording devices, more guests. Who knows? The sky is the limit. So, hey, I you know what can I say? That's it. The show's over. It's time to go. Thank you for hanging on for so long. Thanks for listening. And uh, until next time, this is Brian saying, aim high, be courageous. And do amazing things.